Psalm chapter 3, let's read it and hear from God's word. This is a psalm that that David wrote as uh, he was fleeing for his life from his son Absalom. He writes, O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Selah. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Selah. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek, you break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Selah. Church, this is God's word. Let's receive it as such. And the main idea that we're going to explore this morning from Psalm chapter 3 is that in the battle, the Lord is active and his presence brings peace. In the battle, the Lord is active and his presence brings peace. Let's pray and ask God to speak to us this morning. God, we are thankful that we get to come together now under the authority of your word. And we ask you to speak to us yet again. God, I pray that you would encourage us. pray that you would convict us. Pray that you would get me out of the way and that we would hear directly from your spirit today, from your word. God, we want to to fall more in love with you. We want to know you more. We want to experience more of you. And so we humble ourselves and we ask you to do that work today. Help us receive what we hear with faith and excitement. I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. I wonder if you've ever been in a situation where you just feel completely overwhelmed. Maybe you look at your bank account, and then you look at uh, the bills that you have to pay, and you're like, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how we can possibly get all of this paid. You potentially look at, look at a relationship that, that is broken, maybe with a, a child, and you're like, I don't know if that relationship ever be restored. You wonder if there's any way that, that your marriage could possibly be healed after what has happened in the past. Maybe there's that sin that you feel completely enslaved to and you're wondering, is there any way that I can ever be free from this sin? I'm completely overwhelmed by it. See, in those moments when we feel completely overwhelmed, completely consumed in over our heads, where should we turn? Where should we go? I want to show you this morning that we should turn to our powerful God. And you're probably thinking, yeah, of course that's the answer he has to give. He's the pastor, he's preaching, we're at church. Of course you have to to turn to God in the difficult times. But I want to show you from this psalm why that is not just a a cliche answer to give, but why it's actually reality and why we would be wise to turn to God in our moments of difficulty. So regardless of, of what you come into this place carrying today, it's my prayer that all of us would see God as he is that our attention and also our affection would be turned to Jesus and that we would trust him to be present and also to be powerful in the battles that we face on this earth. Listen again, verses one and two. David says, oh Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. 
See, as David was, was writing this psalm, he was most definitely overwhelmed. David was king, but there was a situation where David's son wanted to be king instead of David. And so what happened is his son named Absalom, he set up a conspiracy, and he basically sat at the city gate, and as anyone would approach the city gate with a problem, Absalom would tell them, hey, King David, he doesn't have time for you, um, but, but I do, so tell me your problem, tell me what you're going through, and, uh, and I'll, I'll hear you. And so Absalom will listen to these problems, listen to these people going through the problems, and he'll develop friendship with them, and then he would ask them to join him on his attempt to take over the throne. The number of people with Absalom was, was growing, it was increasing, and, and David was notified about this group led by his son that wanted to overthrow him on the throne. And David responds by fleeing. He grabs the people who are close to him and he says, we need to get out of town because if we stay here, my son and all of his band of people are going to kill us all. So they leave. David and his people, they flee from the, the ruling area. They leave the city and they're running for their lives, trying to get away from Absalom, trying to get away from his conspirators. And it's in that context that David writes Psalm chapter 3. And he, acknowledged, he starts this psalm by simply acknowledging his current reality. He says, God, I've got a lot of enemies. God, there's a lot of people who are actually trying to kill me. And many people are saying, now this is my translation, David's done for. David has no hope. He is as good as dead. Or maybe they're saying even God could not save David from this situation. And you can write this down. All of us, we all face real battles. See, the, the battle that, that David was facing was for his very life. These people were coming against him and they were wanting to kill him. And his son was leading the effort. And I really hope none of us are in the exact same situation this morning. I hope none of us have children who are trying to um, kill us. But just because our kids aren't trying to kill us does not mean that we do not face battles. See, for every follower of Jesus, every single day we engage in battle. It's a spiritual battle. A battle between the flesh that is selfish and, and always focused on, on what I want and when I want and the spirit of God who is generous and, and loving and humble and kind. See, every day when we wake up, that battle begins who, who am I going to give my attention to today? Am I going to give my attention to my sinful flesh or to the Spirit of God? Will I start my day with my heart set on, on God and his word and his spirit and, and his character and, and his power? Or will I start my day thinking about um, everything that I have to get done and how I'm no, never going to be able to get it all done and then Spend my time focusing on what did my friends do on social media overnight and then reading the news so that we can catch up on everything that's happening around the world. See, all of us have a choice every single day. Who are we going to pursue? Who are we going to let lead us? And all of us are tempted to sin. We're tempted to turn our backs on God, to go against him and, and to serve ourselves. We need to acknowledge that these temptations to sin are real battles. None of us are immune 
Every single one of us in this room will face these struggles, will face these temptations. We're in an active battle. We need to fight the good fight of the faith. And fighting the good fight of the faith will only happen if we first acknowledge that we are in a real war. Imagine if someone told you, hey, I I just bought you an all-expenses-paid trip to the Ukraine. I will, I will pay for everything. You're going to stay in a beautiful place. There's, there's beautiful people there. There's wonderful food there. And then you say, man, that's so kind. Thank you so much. Let's go. And you have not read the news. You don't know what's, what's happening in the country. And, and so you just pack for your vacation as if you would pack for any vacation. You bring swimsuits and, and your hiking shoes and your, your bucket hats and your sunscreen. And you start to fly there. And then... You land on the ground, and you get out of the plane, and you realize, wow, I was not prepared for what I just stepped into. I had no idea that I was headed into a place where war is happening. And we could consider that situation and think like, well, how could you possibly not know that there's a war going on in Ukraine? How could you be so ignorant? But I wonder, as us, as followers of Jesus... When was the last time that we consciously thought about the reality that we too are in a spiritual war? When was the last time that we consciously realized I am in a battle? There is a battle going on in the spiritual realms. There's a battle between the flesh and the spirit of God who lives in me as a follower of Jesus. When was the last time that we remembered that that we have a real spiritual enemy who cannot steal our soul our soul is safe with God, but who desperately wants us to waste our lives on this earth. We're in a battle. And if we just say, I'm, I'm going to sit comfortable in my pew, I'll, I'll go to church a few Sundays every month, and, and surely that'll be enough to help me be victorious in this battle that you're talking about, we are acting in foolishness. It's like showing up to war with, with a pellet gun and saying, well, at least I have a weapon. Like, it's, it's better than nothing, so I'm sure I'll be, I'll be fine with that. We need to realize we are in an intense spiritual battle. That yes, the spirit of God who lives in every Christian is, is so much stronger than the, the enemy that we face, but we need to engage in the battle. We need to fight the good fight. We need to join the spirit of God in the work that he wants to do in us so that we can say no to sin and say yes to the glory of God. And David's going to help us see how we can do that. Verses 3 and 4. He writes, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. Selah. Notice the perspective shift here. Okay, the first two verses of of this psalm is is David talking to God about what what he physically sees, what he sees with his own two eyes. He sees that he's in trouble. He sees that many people are trying to kill him. He sees that other people are saying of him, he's as good as dead, there's no hope for him. And then there's that selah, there's that, that pause, and then David shifts his perspective. Instead of just looking at what he physically sees with his eyes, now he is getting spiritual eyes and and remembering who he's talking to, who he's in relationship with. He's talking to the all-powerful God. And the truth I want us to see is that in the battle, the Lord is active. 
the battles that we face, our God is an active God. See, as David shifts his focus now to God, he sees a God who is a shield, he says, who's protecting him. Um, A God who is glorious and a God who is beautiful, who is worthy of honor, even in the chaos. He sees a God who is the lifter of the heads of all who are downcast. So to the fearful, to the sad, he, he says, don't worry, I have you, I see you. We see the the personal nature of God in that phrase, lifter of my head. Because in order to to lift someone's head, you need to be really close to them. You need to be near to them. You need to care for them. And that's our God. When we are hurting, when we are in pain, when our head is down and we can't even get the strength to look up, our God is there, present. And David says, you, God, are the lifter of my head. A beautiful reality, a beautiful picture of the the personal nature of God saying, I'm present. Like, I I have you even in this difficulty. I'm the lifter of your head. So God, yes, is so personal, so close. And then we see that David also is now seeing God as, as one who answers all the way from his holy hill. So this is now showing the, the powerful nature of God, that God is on his hill. He's, he's above the city. He's reigning over it all. And so we see in this verse that God is both intimately personal, so close that he can lift our head, and so incredibly powerful that he's reigning over everything that we face all the way from his holy hill. This is the God that, that David is crying out to, and this is the God that answers David's cry. So we've, we've acknowledged the fact that we're in a battle, that we are in a spiritual battle, and now I want to invite you to turn your eyes to Jesus. Because it's so easy for us to keep our, our attention focused on, on just what we physically see. Right? The lusts of the world are, are advertised to us constantly, daily. We, we compare our lives to the lives of, of others. We wonder, what would my life be like if I just had what they had? Or if I just had that, that newest thing that I'm being advertised? Or that, that person that I think if I had them, then I would be fulfilled? See, we can so easily focus only on what we see. But if our focus stays on what we physically see, then we cannot be victorious in the spiritual battles that we face. Because the world we live in is, is obsessed with the flesh. So if we're only always feeding the flesh, then of course the flesh is going to win. But we can experience victory in the form of peace, power over sin, joy when we look to Jesus. See, he is powerful to protect us from sin. He is, he is ready and, and willing to, to lift our heads. He's ready to answer us from his holy hill. But we must see him as he is but we also must call out to him. So you notice that before David says, God answered me from his holy hill, he says, I cried aloud to my God. He saw God in his power. He recognized this is, this is the God who I love. This is the God who I served. But then he humbly cried out to God and he said, God, I need your help. And I wonder what if this was our first response when we face temptation to sin? What if this was our first response when someone makes us angry and, and 
all we want to do is lash out at them? What if this was our first response when we got that difficult news? What if this was our first response when we were hurt by someone that we love? What if we cried out to God and said, God, I need your help. Not after we've tried everything else, but first. To help us answer that what if question, consider what David experienced, verses 5 through 8. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Selah. See, the Lord heard David cry, and the Lord acted. You can write this down. God's power brings peace. God's power brings peace. Sleeping while running for your life would be incredibly difficult, right? Not only because um, your mind is surely racing about um, the fact that people are after you trying to kill you, but also because you're just much less responsive when you're asleep, and so you're much more vulnerable. So if someone is trying to kill you, a good time would probably be when you're asleep. It's a dangerous moment. And that reality makes verse 5 fascinating. He says, I lay down. And I slept, and then I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I think this shows us how how impactful shifting our focus to God and crying out to God, asking him to work, is in our lives. Crying out to God and seeing God as he is and trusting God to act gave David so much peace that he could actually sleep while he was running for his life. And the power of God was on display with the fact that he was not killed while he was asleep. And said, he woke again. And he says, I woke again because the Lord sustained me. And this struck me because oftentimes I'll find myself praying for God to work. Praying for God to give me peace and and victory over sin. and, And I'll see him answer those prayers. But I'm not great at going back to him in prayer or talking to others about it and saying, It was God. I thank God for what he did. I'm not great at praying and then seeing him answer and then acknowledging him as the one who did it and giving him the glory that is due his name. So I want to invite you as I'm inviting myself to pray, to expect God to answer our prayers, and then to actively go back to him and thank him when he does. To look for him to answer. Look for him to hear our cries and then expect him to respond and giving him glory when he does just that. See, as we experience more of the Lord, as we experience more of God's character, then our faith in God inevitably grows. When we see God give us victory over temptation, we believe he can do it again. When we see God restore marriages and restore people who who thought that they were completely done for, which I had a really cool experience last night of celebrating a wedding that was a huge redemption story. We see that and we say, well, God did it. He can do it again. Our faith grows. 
See, we never lose hope. Keep God is a God who, who acts, a God who works, a God who responds and who loves to be faithful and loves to prove himself faithful time and time again. But it's only as we grow in our relationship with God that, that we can see that happen and that we can say what David says in verse 6. He says, I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. See, David has seen, he's experienced the power and the authority of the Lord. And as a result, he can say, I'm not afraid of these thousands of people who are after my life. Because thousands of people, sure they're strong, sure there's a ton of them. They have no power compared to the power of God. David acknowledges the truth that God is is all-powerful, all authority belongs to him. And if our God is for us, there's no one who can stand against us. And church, I desperately want each and every one of us in this room today to experience God in that same way. Yes, God sent his son Jesus to to die for our sins. And he promises that all who trust in him have the the hope of eternal life. We, We know that we are in relationship with God that lasts forever. Our sins are forgiven. We're free from the penalty of sin because Jesus took the penalty of sin. He took the wrath of God upon himself. So yes, we know that when we die, we're going to be with him, but our relationship with God is meant to be so much more than just simply a ticket to heaven. It's meant to be a journey, a relationship that is, that is growing in love, that is growing in faith, that is, is growing in maturity each and every day as we get to know our God better and better. As we, like David, go through moments of, of great battle and then we see God bring great victory, our faith grows and we trust him more. Our love for him grows and we want to be with him more. And then we face the next battle. And then we go into that next battle with more confidence. The same thing happens for the next battle and the next battle and the next battle. It's meant to be a relationship that grows deeper each and every day as we learn to love him and we learn to trust him more. We were with a couple from our church earlier this week and, and the husband had been studying a lot for um, an exam that he needed to take and he needed to pass. And uh, his wife was telling us this story that, that she was praying around the house just asking God, God, please help him pass this test. We need it. He needs it. Praying, praying, praying. And she heard God tell her as she was praying, 106, he'll pass. Because she has an intimate relationship with God because she, she loves and, and trusts Jesus and has for, for many years, she knew the God that she was praying for or praying to. She was praying with confidence. And when she heard God say that, she thanked God. And she told us, I just went back to cleaning around the house because I knew he was gonna pass. Sure enough, some time, some time went by and uh, he walked out of the room, he was taking the exam in, and he said, I passed. And she was like, I already knew that, but like, praise God, I'm, I'm really glad that, you know, that you did. Like, he heard our prayers, and he heard our prayers, and, um, and then a few hours later, he, he got an email with all of the specific results from the exam, and he goes, yeah, it looks like I got, I got 106 on it. And she was like, oh, 
that's interesting. Um, praise God, because when I was praying for you, I thought that God told me, you'll pass, and, and he's going to do it with a 106. It was the exact number that God had given her. And I share that story to show you how, how personal and how powerful God is. Because I truly believe that God wants to invite all of us into a relationship with him that is that personal. A relationship where we can take every struggle, every fear, every request to him, knowing that he hears us and that he actually cares about our lives. He responds to our prayers. He, he delights to show his power so my question for you is, is that the God that you know? Do you know a personal God? Or is he just that being that, that maybe exists that you're trying to, to please by showing up at church and doing a few good things here and there and um, you know, just forgetting about him the rest of the week? So I want you to know, and I believe God wants you to know, that, that his arms are open wide. He wants a personal relationship with you. He wants a powerful relationship with you, but you must want the same thing. Every relationship takes two sides. You must call out to him. The psalm ends in verses seven through nine with David crying out to God. He says, arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Selah. See, David has, has been protected up to this point, but he acknowledges the battle is still raging. He needs God's protection, God's salvation tomorrow just as, he, as much as he needs it today. And God's power, thankfully, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God joyfully gives salvation to all who call Upon him, And I want to finish our time in, in this psalm by inviting us to call upon God. See, at the end of Psalm chapter 3, uh, it's painting this picture of God striking all of his enemies. And in a crazy turn of events, the way that God defeated the power of sin and the penalty of sin was by allowing Jesus to be struck. See, Jesus, the perfect son of God, he was struck on the cheek. He was struck on the back, on the head, and then Jesus was, was nailed to the cross and he was crucified to take the penalty of sin, to take the wrath of God upon himself so that we would never have to. Jesus, the, the man who, who knew no sin, he became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. So the reality for anyone who will trust in Jesus is, is that we know with full confidence who wins the war, and his name is Jesus. He is victorious. We will be with him for all of eternity, experiencing the rewards of his victory forever. And all who trust in Jesus have the spirit of God right here, right now, empowering us in every battle that we face on this earth. We fight the battle, but we know that we're fighting from a place of victory because the victorious one is living in us. Sin is no longer our master. Jesus is. So if you're a follower of Jesus who has turned away from sin and, and placed your faith in Jesus and Jesus alone to forgive you of your sins, to bring you into relationship 
with God, then according to these verses, God's blessing is on you. You have the spirit of God who's alive and well, who's helping you face the battles that you face each and every day. And each and every day as we grow in relationship with him, we learn that in the battle, the Lord is active and we can allow his presence to bring peace. But for those of you who have not trusted in Jesus, you need to make that decision. And I invite you yet again to make that decision now. Your sins can be forgiven. You can experience the victory over over addiction in your life. You can enter into this relationship with this God, the very relationship that you were created for. But you must acknowledge your sin. You must turn from, from pursuing sin and decide, I choose to pursue Jesus. You must place your faith in him. And you can make that decision today. You can make it through prayer. Let's pray right now. Father, Lord, we acknowledge that all of us have sinned against you. There is, there is no one who can stand before you in our own righteousness. So Lord, we confess our sin to you this morning. We confess all the times that we've tried to be our own God. And we, we believe that Jesus died for our sin upon that cross. That he took the wrath of God upon himself. So Jesus, we choose to trust in you today. We thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for us. And God, I, I ask for each and every one of us as we're gonna leave this place in a few minutes and we're gonna go about our day, about our week. God, would we remember that we are in a spiritual battle? And would we remember as your children, that your spirit lives in us, that your spirit is is ready to fight for us. God, I pray that we would experience your presence, that our relationships with you would, would go deep and would grow strong, and that your presence would bring us peace, knowing that no matter what we face, we're not alone. You're in us, you're with us. God, we need your help, and we ask you to help us. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.